morning. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. West Virginia author Anne Pancake is this year's Appalachian Heritage Writer-in-Residence at Shepherd University. Ahead, we'll hear about her acclaimed novel, Strange As This Weather Has Been. I didn't hunt stuff much anymore, so I mostly just sat in my places. Those places where, if you sat quiet, the space dropped away between you and the land. That story and more coming up this West Virginia morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. The Charleston City Council this week passed two resolutions that will change the rules for media members during city council meetings. Brianna Heaney has the story. Resolution 24 shuts down the floor 10 minutes before and after city council meetings, and Resolution 25 moves press into the gallery and establishes a credentialing process for members of the press who attend city council meetings. Council member Chelsea Steelhammers voted against both resolutions, saying they fit into a greater context of anti-journalistic, anti-transparency actions that governments are taking. While it's not completely restricting media, it is restricting their access on some level. It's preventing them from sitting um, where they have always sat. You're literally pushing them back. The bill's sponsor, Chad Robinson, defends the new rules, calling them a safety measure for staff and members of the city council. He said the council is working to make meetings more easily accessible to members of the media and to the general public. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Brianna Heaney in Charleston. After leaving a board chairmanship, Secretary of Economic Development Mitch Carmichael says he'll now have more time to bring new industry and jobs to West Virginia. Randy Yewi has the story. A few weeks ago, with little fanfare, Governor Jim Justice appointed his senior advisor, Larry Pack, as Economic Development Authority Board Chairman. Carmichael says he's held both positions for the last three years. Pack says he will help keep the governor informed in scrutinizing potential economic development projects. Carmichael says in his cabinet secretary position, he recruits all the companies and puts together the grant and loan packages and some separation makes sense. The Economic Development Authority is sort of the banker uh, that uh, makes some of the loans and allocates some of the funds for the packages that we put together, and it was just thought that there would be a better uh, to separate those two roles. Carmichael says he has a great portfolio of economic development prospects now moving through to conclusion. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yowie in Charleston. A company that took Union Carbide to court over a hazardous waste dump celebrated a favorable ruling from a federal judge. Curtis Tate has more. Late last week, U.S. District Judge John T. Copenhaver, Jr., in a 400-page decision, found that Union Carbide had violated federal law by creating an illegal open dump in South Charleston. In testimony last year in Charleston, Cortland's lawyer showed evidence that Union Carbide had dumped toxic substances in the landfill over a 30-year period and had not sought any permits from the state or federal government. Testing revealed the presence of contaminants in Davis Creek, a tributary of the Kanawha River. If Copenhaver's ruling stands, Union Carbide will pay for the cleanup of soil and water contamination and could face civil penalties under the Clean Water Act. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. West Virginia Public Broadcasting asked Union Carbide for comments. The company responded that the judge dismissed two pending lawsuits and that a voluntary cleanup of the site is ongoing.
An emergency response drill is planned today at the North Central West Virginia Airport. Caroline McGregor reports. The emergency drill is scheduled for 6 p.m. and it will include emergency response agencies from Bridgeport, Clarksburg and staff at North Central West Virginia Regional Airport. Bridgeport Emergency Management Director Tim Curry says the drill will simulate a mock airplane accident and its purpose is twofold. One, it is um, testing our abilities within the city and the county to respond to an emergency, which we try to do at least something every year. Uh, The other purpose of this one is that the airport has to do a drill every three years to maintain their certification from the FAA. Students from Fairmont State University Aviation Center will participate in the mock drill as fake patients. Curry says the emergency drill has been planned since February and will help evaluate areas for future improvement. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Caroline McGregor. A far eastern Kentucky organization known for capturing Appalachian culture and then dispersing information through video, audio, and theater is trying to determine what's next regarding a permanent home. Stu Johnson reports. Apple Shop's Whitesburg building suffered extensive damage during the floods in the summer of 2022. Apple Shop leaders recently closed on the acquisition of property in Jenkins about 20 minutes away. Apple Shop Operations Director Roger May says a move is not a given, but staying would mean extensive work on a building not only in the flood plain but also in a flood way. And May says they're waiting to hear back from the Federal Emergency Management Agency. But in the meantime, this opportunity for the property in Jenkins presented itself, and we were just concerned that if we passed on it, uh, we might miss an opportunity to have some property at a a much higher elevation and out of the floodplain. May says there's a lot of interest among Apple Shop staff to stay in Letcher County, if at all possible. I'm Stu Johnson. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 7.50. Areas of fog this morning becoming mostly sunny today. High temperatures in the 70s and 80s. Partly cloudy tonight, lows in the 50s. And sunny tomorrow with highs in the 70s and low 80s. Support for WVPB is provided by Appalachian Power, committed to our customers, communities, and state through corporate philanthropy, volunteerism, customer service, and economic development. More at AppalachianPower.com. West Virginia author Anne Pancake is this year's Appalachian Heritage Writer-in-Residence at Shepherd University. She is best known for her acclaimed 2007 novel, Strange as This Weather Has Been. It follows a southern West Virginia family affected by mountaintop removal. The novel has won numerous awards and accolades, including the Weatherford Award. It has also been designated the 2023 One Book, One West Virginia Common Read. 
Liz McCormick recently sat down with Pancake to talk about what inspires her writing. First, we'll hear Pancake read a passage from Strange As This Weather Has Been. After we came back to West Virginia from North Carolina two years ago, it was all different. It was different. But I still spent a lot of time up here. I didn't hunt stuff much anymore. Some of it was gone, and even the plants that were left, the dealers wouldn't buy like they used to. So I mostly just sat in my places. Those places where, if you sat quiet, the space dropped away between you and the land. Some of them were places I discovered on my own, but others were ones where me and Grandma used to stop. She'd make me sit quiet. I learned that young, too. And when it was time to go, she'd say, Now this is just between you and me, Bant. You and me's special place. Like the heart of the rhododendron thicket, the limbs bendy and matty and strong, it was like being inside some kind of body there. It felt animal love. The rock overhangs in the winter, how icicles would make off them great scary masses, the rocks making faces, angry and beautiful. I feel closest in spring, before the leaves came all the way out, when the mountains show their hope with little color patches, red bud and dogwood, dogwood and red bud, the roll of the words in your mouth. And if you look real close, how all the leaves are tightly curled, bulging just a little beyond bud. Leaf weight, I'd call it. And inside them, right before they bust out, you see what looks like a feather. And that was beautiful. I had asked you to pick a passage that really resonated with you about uh, what it means to be Appalachian or what it means, what Appalachian means to you. Can you elaborate a little bit more about why it was that passage you chose? I think I chose that passage because it's very complicated to be Appalachian, and there there are many hard parts about being Appalachian. There are difficult parts and sad parts, but there are also glorious parts, and I think that I wanted to read a passage today that really opened us up into the light of Appalachia, which for me, in addition to the people, is the land here. Right. And I understand environmental issues, those topics really resonate with you in your writing and have inspired a lot of your writing. Why are those issues something that compelled you to want to become a writer and write this novel? I think that one reason that West Virginia literature and Appalachian literature can be so powerful is because of the very fraught relationship we have with the land here. Because we, Appalachians still have a natural connection to the land. And we are told and we recognize how beautiful the place is here. But we also have grown up in a culture that has told us at the same time, yeah, it's beautiful but we have to sacrifice that in order for people to make a living. So I think that means that Appalachians often have a pretty strong love-hate relationship with the place and a joy and grief relationship, so it's paradoxical. So you wrote this novel in 2007, and we're in a different political climate right now in 2023. At the time you wrote the novel versus to now, has anything changed improved, gotten worse in your own observations and opinions? Yeah, it's a very different time now. When I was researching and writing the novel, it was in the early 2000s. There was a very strong anti-mountaintop removal movement. And we believed that we'd make a difference, that we would actually 
get mountaintop removal stopped. And in some places we did, and there were there was progress that was made. And there's a poem by Mark Harshman, which I adore, called What I've Seen. And in one stanza, he names several of those activists, like Judy Bonds, like, like Larry Gibson. And then he's, I'm going to misquote him, but he says, more failures than victories, but as long as their memories are entwined with ours, there's kindling. So at this point in West Virginia history and in the situation in the nation, which, is, which has gotten so much more divided and more violent and more authoritarian since I was writing this book, where I got to go now with my writing is into a place where I and others can start imagining and putting into action a different vision for how we relate to the natural world. Can you talk a little bit more about how you see the weight of your name and your work bringing that vision to a reality? I don't have a solution for the economics and politics in West Virginia. What I want to explore in the next book is in three parts. And the first part is what happens to people's minds and their hearts and their souls when they go through the destruction of their home, the natural world around them. And I'm drawing partly on the work of philosopher Glenn Albrecht. He's an Australian eco-psychologist who coined the term solastalgia, which he developed after doing research on people around uh, open pit mines in Australia. And on solastalgia's experience of watching your home place be destroyed, watching what your, your own place being destroyed, um, and what that does to you psychologically And there has been research by Michael Hendricks in southern West Virginia about the mental health of those people who've had to live around those mines. So proceeding from that, in this book that I'm working on now, I want to talk about how mental health, mental illness, and addiction may be related to a lot of the devastation that we've had here. And then importantly, towards the end of a book, how do we transcend that? How do we live with that? And so it's less a vision about the economics or politics of West Virginia, but the soul of West Virginia, the psychology of West Virginia, and how we survive, how we we remain human beings. Because that's one thing that Appalachia and West Virginia, we still have very humane qualities. I've lived a lot of places, and this for me, of course it's my home, but is one of the places where there's still so much humanity. That was West Virginia author Ann Pancake speaking with Liz McCormick. Pancake is the 2023 Appalachian Heritage Writer-in-Residence at Shepherd University. To hear a longer version of this interview, visit our website at wvpublic.org. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Caroline McGregor, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Caroline McGregor is our Assistant News Director, and she produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.